I'm trying weed, that's what happens, yeah. Mamish, you know this is going to be a good share. No, it's a good share. means the Satan is Mamish, like, he's trying to do whatever he can to stare at this. Thank you. I apologize, the sheets are a little bit wet. And they're comments now also. <laughs> no, no, it was me. I think I think I poured all, but just stop funny. Of course. <laughs> oh my gosh. I think the cups are just very flip. <laughs> Yeah, the high, I recognize the high part. I'm like the hottest time at the camp. Except you're the fourth person, right? Yeah. Still songs out there, which is ridiculous. Shlomo Gass has a whole album of us, like, old school jams that no one even knows. All right, Tyra. All right, good evening, everyone. First of all, I will say, Shkayach for accommodating the uh, the, the schedule change. Thank you. I'm going to be at Merit Hashem and Hassan tomorrow night in New York, but I didn't want to miss another another week of this year. So, so thank you, everyone. And yeshkoch to Zevi. Tonight's chili and uh, crackers. And, and yeshkoch to Rab Eli, our bourbon sponsor, to Mr. Zwani, our scotch sponsor. Our Hashem, a great, a great Zuchlo. So what I'd like to do, Amir Hashem, for the next two weeks, because we have this week, next week, and then it's hard to believe, but the following week already is the night of B'di Gas Chometz. Um, as I'd like to continue in the Torah of the Chalban, but I'd like to focus on the Chalban, the Tal Lechayim on Pesach. And here, we'll, after Pesach, we'll resume with Hakitsu Raninu, but as we're going to see, the Chalban has a, has a number, I mean, there's a whole Sefer on Pesach, he has a number of incredible pieces, and I want to start with one tonight, and I think in Merit Hashem, it'll probably take us between this week and next week to truly get through it. Tons, tons on, on every on every chumish. He has a precious most you know. He grew up in Midrash Dvarim, Pesach, Shavuos, Purim, Chagay Tishrei, a lot of Torah, a lot of Torah. So I'll say, so take a look. So let's so that you can see the title. The title of this piece over here is Hapaula Hamamoshes Belel Haseder, which here the Chabad's going to teach us. You know, I've been thinking a lot about this concept. I spoke in my women's show last night. I spoke about this a little bit as well, which is like the avoda of the Lel Haseder. 
And what is it exactly that we are supposed to accomplish over the course of the Seder? So very often you ask a person, what are you supposed to accomplish over the Seder? And the person says, okay, maybe, uh, you know, matzah, Pesach, matzah, maror, like Rabbi Gamliel said, or maybe chayiv, adil, miros, it's atzmo, kiliyotzem, and I'm supposed to view myself as if I left Egypt. Chavan says something really incredible. Look what he writes. He says, again, this is on page Yud Zayin. He says, So we'll say, so first look at the Pasuk. The Pasuk says, ultimately, like the days that you left Egypt, I will show you wondrous things. Hashem speaking to Kalal Yisrael. So the Chaban says, it's not the Pshat that Hashem is telling us that the miracles of Yitzias Mitzrayim, the miracles of the Exodus, will repeat themselves. That's not what the, that's not what Kach Baruch is saying. Listen to this was a Elo Shalamaisa Yitzias Mitzrayim, he havrokas or hagula. Now this says the Chaban. What we're supposed to understand is that Yitzias Mitzrayim, when we left when we left Egypt, we're supposed to listen to this lashon havrokas or hagula. What does that phrase mean? Havrokas or hagula? Havraka is like boker. It's like boker. It was the dawn. Right? It was the beginning, like Barak. Barak is lightning, so right light. It was the dawn, the beginning of the light of the light of Geula. So say, what the Chaban is pointing out over here is an incredible Yisod, which is that, you know, Rabbi Soloveitchik speaks about this as well. Rabbi Soloveitchik says that the Ribbono Shlolam is Haya Hobe Viev. Mazel Tov. Mazel Tov had a grandson this week. Baruch Hashem. Mazel Tov, Mazel Tov. So I say, so... You know, we offer, right, grandson, right? Grandson, good. So, so the, so the, so Rabbi Salvechik says, Kosh Baruch is past, present, and future. And the Rav says that to a certain degree, we have the ability to tap into this dynamic as well. That the Yid, the Jew, lives in past, present, and future simultaneously. Rabbi Salvechik called this the unitive time consciousness. Unitive time consciousness. That I can live past, present, and future all at the same time, just like HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And the truth is, where do you see this unitive time consciousness really come to the, come to the forefront? Leil HaSeder. Because think about what happens over the course of the Seder. We start out with what? Avadim Hayinu. We start out with what was. We then focus on what is. We are free. And then after benching, we focus on what will be. All over the course of one Seder, past, present, and future, all wound together in one beautiful night. The Chaban says, along those same lines, the Yid, it's not just the Pshat that Yitzhak Mitzrayim was a historical event. He says Yitzhak Mitzrayim was an event that began a process. Yitzhak Mitzrayim was the beginning of the dawn of the light of Geula. And ultimately, again, the light began to shine. Light began to shine when we left Egypt, but the light becomes amplified more and more and more until the light ultimately shines at its full brightness when? When Mashiach comes. So I'll say this is incredibly important because here what the Chaban is doing is he's explaining that Yitzhak Mitzrayim was not just a historical event. It's the beginning of a process. It's the beginning of something. And where does the process end? 
The process actually ends where? Where? Mashiach. And I will say, by the way, the truth is Mefur Shigimara, right? Because the Gimara at the end of the first chapter of Masechus Brachas discusses this idea, will we remember the Exodus in the Messianic era or not? There's a whole discussion about this. But one thing is clear, which is Chazal understood this connection between Yitzias Mitzrayim and Mashiach. It's almost their bookends. Yitzias Mitzrayim is the beginning. It's the dawn of the light of Geula. And ultimately, again, that Geula doesn't end or it doesn't fully actualize until Mashiach. Which I will say, if you think about just this, you sowed by itself, it's so profound. Because I think very often the way we look at Jewish history is kind of like in, like in, what's the word? Not pockets, but like in, Cohorts, you know, like in um, segments. segments and segments. So like, right, there was Egyptian servitude and then emancipation. That's one chalik. There was the desert. That's another chalik, right, with all of its stuff in there, including Matan Torah, the Miraculum. There's Eretz Yisrael, Yoshua, up until Bayis Rishon. Then, Bayis Rishon, Bavel, Bayis Sheni. All right, we're obviously in the middle of there, Purim, Hanukkah, Bayis Sheni, Gullus. And we're currently in that tekufa of Gullus. We're in that period of, of, of Gullus. But the Chabad says it's not true. There's a continuum of time. And the truth is, the, the beginning of the Jewish experience for Kalali, so the beginning of, of our national experience was Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim. That was the first step in the Geula. The first step in Kalali Yisrael's redemption. But here's the incredible part, say, According to this approach, redemption has not yet been completed. Right? We're still in the process. We've been in the pro- since, since the moment we left Egypt, we have been in the beginning of Geula. And as the years go forward, we take additional steps, additional advances. Now, you know, this is very reminiscent of as well. Um, Rav Yehuda Cohen Cook so, so writes about this in the name of Salah Rav Cohen Cook that people, I mean, Rav Cook Sr. didn't discuss this because he lived before the Medina, but you know, there's a whole discussion when the Medina, when the state of Israel was first founded, is this Aschalta de Geula, right? Is this the beginning? Is this the beginning? Is this the beginning? Welcome. This is, yeah, right? It's been a long time since I've said that, by the way. Here in this room. Yeah. Right, I think that's the last time I said good morning. I think I was saying good morning, Mr. Schoenfeld. Was, yeah, yeah, yeah. Not you, it was Mr. Schoenfeld Sr. But, um, yeah, I have so much to say, but I'm not going to. So, so we'll say, so they asked, they asked about, you know, is the Medina schalta de Geula, right? Is the Medina. So, again, you had Rav Tzvi Hudakoin Kuk saying, what are you talking about schalta de Geula? So what are you talking about is the Medina the beginning of Geula? Of course the Medina is not the beginning of Geula. Why is the Medina, why is the founding of the state not the beginning of the Medina, uh, of, of the Geula? Because the Geula started way before. Now, Rav Tzvi Yehuda said from a Zionistic perspective, maybe it started with the Talmud Hagra, students of the Gra, or, but the truth going to the Chaban, of course it's not Aschalta de Geula. Ultimately, again, when did Geula begin? I will say Geula began when we left Egypt. That's when Geula began. And what's happening? It's simply continuing to unfold now each and every year. Each and every year. So look what the Chalban writes. He says, and it continues to grow brighter. It continues to grow greater. Which I will say, by the way, if it, it was enough to come tonight for the chili, and if not for the chili, for the unnamed bourbon, and if not for the unnamed bourbon, the very peaty scotch, but if not for any of that, then the Yisod that what? 
The Yisod Rabbah said that Yitzhak Mitzrayim is not a self-contained event. It's the beginning of a process in which we are still seeing unfold right in front of us. It's the beginning of Klal Yisrael's Geula. And that process continues to unfold to this very day. V'davazeh, Muvan Mikama Yisodos. Reishis. So the Chaban says this concept is really predicated on a number of different ideas. Reishis. What's the first idea? Right? The first idea, Reishis. Maisa of a similar bunny. So we have a concept, which means that what? The actions of the forefathers are a foreshadow for the children. said, listen to this, Yisod. Right? That what, look, look at his word of it. Dormitzrayim, the generation of Mitzrayim, the generation who left Mitzrayim, Garin. I will say, what's a Garin? Seed. A seed. A seed. Right? A seed for future generations. See, I will say, it's not the pshat that Yitzhak Mitzrayim is supposed to be looked at as its own independent, self-contained event. Yitzhak Mitzrayim is the beginning. It's the beginning, and when's the end? When's the end of Yitzhak Mitzrayim? When's the end? When Mashiach comes. So I will say, it was the beginning, and we're still part of this entire process that began with our ancestors when they left Egypt thousands of years ago, and only ends when Mashiach comes. Mikan anu lemeidim. Shema she'era lavasin b'mishraim, who his havas hagarin. What happened to our ancestors in Egypt, ultimately again, is the beginning of the sprouting of the seed. V'chaladoros kulam, einam ela hotzah me'akoach alapoel, shal osa ha'ar hagolum begarin. And what we experience to this very day, the light we experience to this very day, is not a light that comes from us, it's a light that comes from Yitzhak Mitzrayim. So I say, what a beautiful metaphor. That Exodus was the seed. It was the seed. Now, Baruch Hashem, the seed has taken root. The seed germinated. The seed is beginning to sprout. The seed is growing. But everything that occurs within Klaus Yisrael, every step and stage of Geulah, ultimately, again, is a chilek, is a piece of that garin, is a piece of that seed. He goes on, he says, and every single generation, I will say, think about this just a moment. Where do we glean our koach from? I will say, if you think about this for just a moment, right? Think, just, just think about Klal Yisrael for just a moment. And you think about what's happened within Klal Yisrael in the last week, right? Three terror attacks in the last week. Be'er Sheva, Chadera, and now B'nai Brak. Now B'nai Brak. And of course, like, in the middle of all of that, the passing of Rav Chaim. Now, I say, sometimes you think, you take, take a step back and you say to yourself, like, how does a nation like ours, and by the way, in the midst of all this, in the midst of all this, we're absorbing refugees from a war zone like no one else is doing, right? I say, it, it is, you know, I had this discussed this morning to speak at an Israel Bonds event, and I said, like, how incredibly amazing is it that less than a century after our people were almost systematically annihilated, where when we were in need, no one else, forget about open the door, no one else even acknowledged that they heard the knock. No one else even acknowledged that millions upon millions of people just simply needed a haven, just simply needed a safety net, somewhere to go. And yet amazingly enough, who's absorbing per capita the greatest number of refugees in the entire world? Israel, the Jewish homeland. The Jewish will say, it's, so you think to yourself, like, where does Klal Yisrael get the koach to do that from? 
Right? Where, where does that koach come from? Where does the koach come after three terror attacks to keep going? After three terror... Oh, okay, well, so like, think about just a moment. Like, we're sitting here, we're, we're learning Torah, we're fabrenging, right? We're besimcha. How can we be besimcha? There are so many families sitting in Shiva now. So many broken hearts, so many broken lives, so many... Because sh- I will say, the nitzchis of Klal Yisrael is the ability to find light even in the midst of darkness. The ability to gather ourselves together and push ourselves forward and not to lose ourselves in the pain of loss and in the pain of, of destruction. We keep going. Where does that come from? The Chaban says, you know where it comes from? It's in That was the seed. And the seed continues to germinate, continues to flourish. That's the seed. Everything comes from Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim. It all comes from Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim. So there it goes on. He says, Chaban goes on. He says, Shainis. So say that's number one. Number one theological piece is that Yitzhiyas is the Garin. It is the seed. It is the source of all redemptive light for Klal Yisrael. And everything that happens to us by way of redemption is just a further unfolding of the Exodus narrative, or the Exodus light. Shainis. Number two. Also, we know that the Torah, ultimately, again, is the Yisod, is the foundation of life for all generations. We'll say every single word that's in the Torah is eternal. And every single, and embedded in every single word in the Torah, ultimately, again, is a sense of sustenance. That sustains all the Klal Yisrael. L'orech bless you. L'orech kol shnos ha'historia. L'fichach, novin hetev, she'gu'ulas mitzrayim hishoresh kol ha'gu'ulas kulon ad acharis ha'yamim. So here ultimately again, so the, the Chaban is pointing out, Rabbosai, you know, Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim occupies an incredible amount of biblical real estate. Right? First of all, everything is Yechel Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim and the Exodus is mentioned more times than one could count throughout the entire Torah. Why? Chaban says it's the same idea. The Torah is what sustains us as a people. The Torah is what gives us life. And the Torah, by consistently highlighting the Exodus, is telling us that Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim is the Shoresh Kol So we'll say, I, 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 can't, I can't emphasize this point enough, that it's not just the Pshat, that Yitzhiyas was something wonderful that occurred, right? A historical event that was fantastic and it showed us we could escape slavery. And it showed, I mean, no, it's that Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim is the beginning of our story. And it's a story that's still unfolding. And it was the first step in the Geula of Mashiach. That's what Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim is. It's not a self-contained redemptive narrative. It's not a self-contained redemptive chapter. It's the beginning of our ongoing national story of redemption. It began ultimately again with Yitzhak Mitzrayim and ultimately again continues on until Mashiach comes. Look at the second paragraph. He writes, quoting from Listen to this. This is incredible. So what happens every year on Pesach? Get ready for this. What happens every year on Pesach? See, I will say, the reason why it's so important to be able to learn this now is because, you know, I always find Pesach is one of those Yamim Tovim where you can't prepare in the moment. 
right? You can't prepare in the moment because in the moment, there's so much stuff going on, right? In the moment, right, you're home, you're running late, the matzahs, broken matzahs, this matzahs, this, all right? Oh, all these, like a million things around the kids. This one's falling asleep. We got to move quickly. This one's hungry. This one's angry. This one's happy, right? A whole balagan, a whole balagan. To really appreciate what's happening on the last day, you have to prepare beforehand. And, that, and that's why Meretz was starting this now, this limo, two weeks before. So the Chaban says, do you know what happens on the night of the Seder? Every single year on the night of the Seder, that original luminescent light, that first light of Geula, shines bright. So I'll say, if you can imagine what Chaban is saying over here, is that there is a certain R that is unlocked every year at the Leil HaSeder. Although, again, each and every day, the redemptive, or, or the, the redemptive light of Pesach, of right, shines. Lemaise, again, the, line, the, the light shines brightest on the night of the Seder. Me'en osa ma'ora. Upoel pu'ulos atsumos ba'aviyakula. Bosse, just to give you a little bit of an illustration like this, you know, I always tell my children, whenever we go outside, by Shvul Hamas, when they open the door by Shvul Hamas, huh? I always tell my kids, like, look at the moon. Look at the moon. And here's the incredible part. That the moon, that you, and it's a full moon, middle of the month, Hashem who purposely took us out the middle of the month so that there would be a lot of natural light, even at, natural light, even at night. If you think about it, you look at the moon, and isn't it incredible that the moon we look at on the night of our Seder is the same exact moon that our ancestors looked at thousands of years ago. It's the same moon. What a, what a unifying reality. I stand under the same bright luminescent moon that my great, 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 great grandparents stood under when they found the courage to leave Mitzrayim. The Chaban says it's not just true for the actual light of the moon. It's true for the spiritual light of Pesach as well. There comes the Lel HaSeder, that light, that light of redemption, that light of the beginning of redemption shines again. And that light has the ability to affect, not affect, affect, affect incredible realities, create incredible realities. What's the power of Pesach? The power of Pesach is the ability, right? Historical Pesach was, we left servitude and we became free. What's the real power of Pesach? Each and every year, we have the ability to leave servitude and become free. That same power, that same power of the original Pesach is unlocked each and every year at the Leil HaSavior. That light, that original light of Pesach, that redemptive light that told people you don't have to be slaves, you can go free, you can venture out into the unknown. That same light shines on the first night of Pesach every single year. Lefichach, listen to this, so I'll say. Now, okay, so that, this is the first part. Now the Chaban is going to make a dramatic turn. So I'll say, so now this is the first part, right? So, so, so far what we have is this incredible theological idea that Pesach is the garin, it's the seed. It's not a self-contained redemptive event. It's the seed for all future redemptions as well. And that seed is continuing to blossom. That seed is continuing to flourish and ultimately only achieves full maturation when? When Mashiach comes. So we are benefiting from the seed of Yitzhak to this very day. Second thing says the, says the Chalban is that at the end of the day, 
that original light, that original redemptive light, shines each and every year at Pesach. So, and just like that original Pesach gave us the courage to leave our servitude, so too when that light shines each and every year, we have the ability to leave our servitude. Me'avdus l'chirus. V'chinu b'chol shana v'shana ma'amish. But say the power of Pesach is you could leave your shibud. You could leave your servitude. But watch this. But say this is wild. L'fichach. K'day lotzeis l'chirus. Tzrichin anu l'hachnis atzmenu l'ol ha'shibud v'rishumo. Get ready for this. Says the Chalban. But in order to go free, you have to first what? You have to first enter yourself or allow yourself to enter slavery. You can't go free unless you first enter into servitude. What? What? We spend a whole lifetime trying to extricate ourselves from servitude. The Chaban says, no. If you want to go free on Lela Seder, the first step to going free is you have to become a slave. You have to enter into servitude. Okay, we'll see what this means. I have to literally, says the Chaban, I have to enter in to the very things that are holding me captive. I have to enter into the very things that are keeping me in servitude. I have to go and enter into the very things that are being mashabed me. And the power of Pesach is that what? Then, only then, if I'm willing to enslave myself, if I'm willing to enter into the servitude, then and only then can I tap into the redemptive power of Pesach and free myself. So I'll say, what does this mean? Right? This, is, this by the way, I saw it's like, the, it's the strangest formulation that one could ever possibly imagine. Because we speak about Pesach all the time. Yitzias Mitzrayim, Cheros, Yitzias leaving the servitude. Now here I have the Chaban telling me, you want to go free on the night of Pesach? You want to tap into that, serv- to, to that, to that emancipation? You want, to, you, want to, you want to see the light of freedom? You want to tap into the sapling of Israel? No problem. But first, you have to become a slave. First, you have to enter into your servitude. Look at the last paragraph on page of Zion. He says, Kol mahos hadoros, Says the Chaban, the entire journey, right? The entire flow of all the generations. Bose, if you think about it, the Chaban says something amazing. Bose, what is the essence of life? What is the essence of life? As individuals and as a nation, the essence of life is to become free, is to leave our servitude. Right? Is, isn't that the essence, the entire essence of life as individuals and as a nation? I want to be purified, cleansed, and I want to leave my servitude. Look what he writes. As long as there is evil in this world. As long as there is suffering and pain. As long as there is death in this world. There is still something that enslaves us. But yet we fight against all of the things that enslave us. And I will say the fight against servitude is not something we wage on our own. But rather, again, our battle is really, is really fought on the shoulders of those who came before us. And those who come off after us will ultimately fight, really standing on our shoulders. 
And as a result of everyone's collective efforts, ultimately emancipation comes to the world. Hacherus tzricha lios gimura lopsharus. But I'll say again, we'll just read this now, we'll explain it. Freedom has to be absolute. There are no compromises with freedom. Right? And as I will say, you can't be a little free. Right? Freedom, if you think about it, being free is an absolute state. Either you're free or you're not free. If you're partially free, then what? Then what? Then what? Right? Right? But again, here's a perfect example. Right? Right? You're stuck. So what's the law by Chatzia Vichatzi Ben Chor and Machol Gizesham Beisil? What do we do? Right, Kofin and Sadon. Remember again, this is exactly the point. You see, it's Machol Gizesham Beisil. Right, Beishamai said, Beishamai said, Chatzia Vichatzi Ben Chor. It's fine. Let him serve his master one day. Let him serve himself one day. That was Beisil. Sorry, Beishamai says, what are you talking about? What could he do? He can't marry. He can't have a family. He can't do anything because Beishamai essentially says there's no such thing as partial freedom. Right, if you're partially free, then you're effectively what? A slave. A slave. A slave. Right? That's what a, a slave is someone who does not have complete freedom. So you might have 50% freedom, but freedom, is, it's incredible. It's like freedom is an, is, is an absolute state. Right? Either you are or you aren't. And if you have to qualify the level of your freedom, by definition, that means you're not free. He goes on, he says, we'll say, But what does freedom really mean? Says the Chaban, freedom doesn't just mean freedom from persecution from the nations of the world. It doesn't just mean freedom ultimately again from sadness, difficulty, illness. El Echerus Bimalachamavas. But you know what true freedom is? True freedom is freedom from death. We'll discuss this. Echerus Mikol Choshech Vastaras The truest freedom is the freedom from darkness. So I'll say, you can tell the Chaban is mamish, like trying to, you know, sometimes like somebody's trying to convey to you something that has such profundity, such depth, and I don't know what they're talking about, but I know that they're conveying to me something that is like overwhelmingly powerful. So like we read these words of the Chaban, and even this notion, right, even this notion that I have to become a slave before I become free. Right, that I, and what, what, what am I trying to free myself from? The malachamavas, the darkness. I don't know what he's talking about. But yet, I, I think I know what he's talking about. He's talking about this absolute state of freedom. And maybe even better than the word freedom might ultimately be a word transcendence. But let's go back for a moment and focus on the Chaban statement, which is the most intriguing part, that in order to become free, what do you have to do? What do you have to do? You have to enslave yourself first. What does that mean? Turn the page. Therefore, says the Chaban, in order to really become free, says the Chaban, like we said before, in order to become free, I have to enslave myself. I have to actively put, oh, isn't this incredible? We spend our lives running away from servitude. And the Chaban says, no, no, you want free? You have to willingly enter servitude. I will say what this literally means is to awaken the klipa. Klipa, I will say, remember again, in Kabbalistic literature. So klipos refers to the shells that ultimately, again, obscure holiness. Each of us has what the Chaban calls this klipa ha misnagedes. What does misnagedes mean? 
like a misnagid. What's a misnagid? What's a misnagid? Right? Someone, someone who is against something. Like lehitnagid means to oppose something. So each of us has this klipa hamisnagedas. This, this layer, this layer that is pushing back on my quest for holiness. Sirabosai, there's only really one thing I want in life. There's one thing I want in life. And it's what David HaMelech wanted in life as well. Achos sha'alti me'es Hashem osa avakesh shifti beves Hashem. All I want is to be close to Hashem. That's all I want. V'ani kirvas elokim tovli. All I want is to be close to HaKadosh Baruch. That's all I want. You know, the Malbim says on that Pasuk that David HaMelech says, I only have one request to dwell in the house of Hashem. So the Malbim says, really? That's your only request? You only have one thing you need in life? What about Parnasa? What about children? What about Tatzlocha? What about all the things that we daven for? And the Chaban says, I'm sorry, the Malbim says something amazing. He says, Dara Malach understood that if you truly dwell in the house of Hashem, everything else comes together. It doesn't mean that if I dwell in the house of Hashem, I get everything that I want. But I'm able to navigate everything in life when I have an intact, beautiful, meaningful, close, and passionate relationship with HaKadosh Baruch if I have shifty b'veis Hashem, then the truth is I have everything I need in order to be successful in this world. So the Chalban says, the greatest challenge we have is the klipah misnagedes. There's this force in life that's often pushing back against me. There's this thing, we'll discuss, there's, there's this force, there's this koach, there's this klipa that's like a misnaked. It's pushing back against me. I want to be holy. I want to be good. I want to be close. That's what I want at my core. And this klipa misnaked is always pushing back. He says, Ki muchra, I'm sorry, Ki hine tovin shalapamim adam nimsa begadlos hamochim ba'ar v'hatzlacha uberuchnios begashmios as nishmaso shata b'merchave shchakim you know, there are times in life, there are times in life where a person is mamish on such an elevated spiritual state, right? I'm having hatzlocha and everything. Hatzlocha in my ruchnios, in my gashnios, my spiritual life, my material life, right? Literally, again, I feel like my soul is soaring in the upper celestial sphere. Life is good. Everything is going well. You know, in moments where everything is going well in life, we both say the beautiful part is, what's the great part when things are going in life? What do you forget about? The things that are broken. Right? That's great. Right? I, I forget. I forget the shibud. We'll discuss it in just a moment. Forget the shibud. Let me explain this now outside a little bit, just to discuss this. What does the Chaban mean when he says that I have to enter into Shibud? Right, Tabo said, let's think about this in just a moment. And this is an incredibly powerful Yisod. See, the Chaban says, each of us has that thing which holds us captive. We have that thing. Halavai, it's only one thing, right? But maybe it's a behavior. Maybe it's a negative midah. Maybe it's a toxic relationship. Maybe... It's an addiction. Who knows what it may be? But Lamaisa, I have that thing that is meshabed me. It enslaves me. So says the Chaban something amazing. 
You could lead a successful life and never deal with that thing. Well, say, what's the proof to that? That's what most of us do, right? Yeah. That, that's, what mo- that's actually how most of us live, right? In other words, I, again, because what I do essentially is I build up a lot of good, do a lot of great stuff, accomplishing many wonderful things, but I never focus on that thing that I am enslaved to. What the Chaban calls the Klippa HaMisnagedas. And I will say that's why most of us go through life with that one struggle. There's that one thing, and Halavai, it's only one thing, but let's talk about one thing that I've been battling against for years. And it's the one thing, and I, and I do so many great things in life, but for some reason, that's the one thing I can't get any traction on, or I feel I can't get traction on it. And when I do, and I make a little bit of headway, I feel like something happens, and it just, just pushes me right back to where I started. That's what the Chaban calls the Klippa Misnaget. That's my Shibut. That's my Mitzrayim. That's the thing that holds me down. That's the thing that holds me back. And says the Chaban, if you want Chirus, if you want freedom, what do you have to do? The first step to freedom is what? You have to enslave yourself. What does it mean to enslave yourself? You have to face your demons. The only way to truly go free is to contend with my slavery. If I'm not really willing to look at that which is enslaving me, if I'm not really willing to contend with that which is holding me back, I cannot tap in to the redemptive light of Pesach. Because the redemptive light of Pesach is a light that says you can go from servitude to freedom. You can extricate yourself from anything and everything that is personalistically holding you back. But the only way to tap into that redemptive power is to enter into servitude. And the act of entering into servitude means I'm willing to confront my oppressor. And I will say for many of us, for any of us, my oppressor is not someone external to me. My oppressor is me. And negative things that I engage in, negative things that I do. Again, whatever, we've all fill in the blank for our own oppressors. That's my inner Mitzrayim. That's my inner oppressor. And if I want to go free, the first step is entering into servitude. And the process of entering into the servitude is A, identifying what's my oppressor, who's my oppressor, what's holding me back, what's my Mitzrayim, and then making a conscious decision that I want to leave. I, I, don't, I don't want my life to always be subjugated and held back by this klipah misnagedes. I don't want to be enslaved to this behavior, to this midah, to this trait, to this... I, I, don't, I don't want it anymore. I don't want it. But in order to say you don't want it, says the Chalban, you have to go back down to Mitzrayim. You have to confront it. You have to look it in the eye. You have to say... I don't want you anymore. I don't want this in my life anymore. I don't want this to be part of my existence anymore. And says the Chalban, if I'm willing and courageous enough to do that, then something amazing happens. The night of Pesach comes, the garin, the sapling of freedom, the light, the original light of redemption shines, and Pesach gives me the power to go free. Pesach by itself gives me the power to go free. But you can only tap into that power if sometime before Pesach, you go into your Mitzrayim, identify your oppressor, look him in the eye, 
and tell him, I'm done with you. I have lived my life with this midah, with this behavior, with this thing, whatever it is, for so many years. I don't want it anymore. I just, I don't want it in my life anymore. Say goodbye to your Mitzrayim. Say goodbye to your Klipa Misnagyadas. And if you're willing to go down into your Shibut, then when the redemptive light of Pesach comes the night of the Seder, then and only then, I can tap into that energy and I can truly go free. All right, everyone. So we'll stop over here for tonight. It's time for tonight. Again, we're going to spend one more week on this piece. Let's go to Mitzrayim. Let's go to Mitzrayim. You would think, though, that it Yes. A hundred percent. But so I think here's the power of this. The power of this is because if you think about it, Mitzrayim is the notion of freedom. You see, Yom Kippur is the notion of atonement. And atonement and freedom are two very different things. It almost seems like, see, here, here's, here's how I look at it. If you think about it calendrically, Right? Pesach is the beginning of the year, right? Nisan is the Rosh Hashanah. So it makes sense. The first step in personal growth is you have to stare down your Mitzrayim. Right? You have to do your part. If I, do, if I have my Pesach, then I could have a Yom Kippur. Then I could ask Hashem for atonement. Because imagine if you start out by asking for atonement before you've gone down to your Egypt, stared down your Egypt, repudiated your Egypt, what right do I have to ask God for absolution if I haven't done my part yet? So I think Yom Kippur, this model, the beautiful part of it is Yom Kippur is the natural follow-up ultimately to Pesach. All right, Chavar, Shkoyach, Shkoyach, amazing stuff, amazing stuff. We're in the basement. Just while we said, you'll go to check with them right now. They switched around when they go to the shop. I don't know anymore. Wow, that was pretty chill. Pretty good. Watch that. Watch that. Finally done this. Unbelievable.